Hey, this is Robbie Gallaty. I want to invite you to personally join me April 17th, this Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central. I'm going to have a webinar to teach you really how to increase your attendance, giving, and service in your church in 90 days and here's the kicker, without changing everything or losing people. And so I encourage you to join us. Uh, it's going to be at 2 p.m. this Wednesday. Set your calendar. You can actually sign up by going to replicate.org. Look forward to seeing you there. LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Today on the podcast, we have three big mistakes Mistakes that we have probably made in the past. Matter of fact, we have made these mistakes. That's why we can talk about them. Yeah. And so the challenge would be that we don't want you to make these mistakes. Don't make these mistakes. If, if we can help you, because we've already gone down that path and seen the uh, problems that arise from it, the issues that you can get, then we can throw out, uh, as you like to say often, the we, we paid the dumb tax for the listener Yeah. so they can get, they, they don't have to pay it if they don't want to. Um, and there's and there's a lot of mistakes. Why would they want to pay it? Why would anyone? Somebody's want to pay already taxes? paid tax. Yeah. Why would you want to pay? Tax? <laughs> Why would you want to pay additional tax? These taxes have been paid already. Right, paid in full. And uh, unlike my real taxes, um, these have been paid already, and so we don't have to take care of it. We can learn from the mistakes. Yeah. So, what are the three mistakes? Well, the three mistakes are three different are three different mistakes in three different church contexts. Okay. Okay. So I'll tell you the first mistake we made, and we learned from all of these. So I like to tell my kids, mistakes are opportunities to learn. How often do you say that to the boys? Uh, pretty often. They're making mistakes pretty often. <laughs> now, are you saying it in reference to the mistake you made, or are you referencing a mistake they made? Uh, probably more of them, but daddy makes mistakes too. So he, <laughs> That's he, has, what I find. he has to apologize. To, oh yeah. Daddy apologized too. Um, but yeah, my kids hold me accountable for everything. You know, yeah, I, I, think, I think I heard a pastor say one time, <laughs> stop it. That with me, I, I did not realize in having children, how often I would have to apologize. Yeah, oh yeah. I had no idea. I do that with candy too. Yeah, well, I had an idea on that one. <laughs> I knew right. when I got married, Here, I would be apologizing oh a lot. My but with kids, I just didn't realize yeah. I would be telling my seven-year-old, that's my bad. I'm Built-in sanctification that's for, exactly. for your own soul right there. <laughs> exactly. All right, here's the deal. Uh, the first church was Emmanuel Baptist Church, uh, 65 people. Church literally uh, was about to close the doors, uh, and I didn't know this until I got there. It had declined to about 65 people. Uh, small communal church on so the bayou. So they hired you. And then said, oh, yeah, we're about to close the doors. Well, they hired, I mean, how do you hire a guy who's only three years removed yeah, from a heroin and cocaine addiction? They weren't addiction? necessarily, you know, They're pretty desperate. both of you were taking a chance. They were pretty desperate. You were both trusting God. Yeah, like, if this doesn't work, let's give this guy a chance, you know, maybe it'll work. And so uh, they, but, but here's what happened. They were so hungry and ready for change and open to change that they were basically just ready to follow anything that was biblical and, you know, obviously honor the Lord. So you could walk in this church and change the color of the carpets, no pushback. Well, I did. 
you could walk in this church and bring a guitar on stage, for instance. Uh, I did that too. Yeah, actually, I changed the color of the walls. We what got rid of the paneling. Wear? I got rid of my suit in Whoa. one year. In one year? In one year, yeah. You need to talk. We need to do a podcast on how to lose the suit in one year. Oh, yeah. I got I got some insights on that. It's called No Tie July. <laughs> And then it's called No Code August. <laughs> All right. No okay. job. Uh, and no, no job, job September. September. Yeah. <laughs> People will be on the street. Okay. So here's what I, the, here's the mistake I made early on. I had a passion to make disciples. I was ready to go for it. I was starting to disciple people personally. Candy was discipling women personally. We were doing this thing. But what I, what I found is I never could get a lot of traction in that environment because I didn't have a process. Mm. So just me preaching on discipleship, just me leading with disciple making in, in my own life, was it was it translating to the congregation following suit? And here's what I learned early on. Here's the first lesson I learned early on. It's impossible to create a discipleship movement if you don't have a discipleship pathway or a process for spiritual mm. growth, right? Because then it becomes, let's just throw anything in the wall and see if it sticks, or you can do this and y'all yeah. can do that. And oh, that's okay, you can do that. Yeah, that makes sense, that's discipleship. And what happens is discipleship in that context for me was like a, like a menu. Hmm. It was a buffet. It wasn't a map, right? As we always say, discipleship's not a menu. Right. It's a map. It's not the Cheesecake Bistro, uh, you know, 3,700 options. It's here are these four steps. Whatever step you're on, take the next step. Mm -hmm. So that was the first problem at Emmanuel. I, I, could, I saw momentary glimpses of disciple making. Right. Uh, I mean, I was doing it. Some other guys were doing it. But when it came to reproduction yeah. and reproducing, and when it came to mobilizing people to do the same, it really never got generational. Now, I will say this. There's still discipleship going on at Emmanuel Baptist right now hmm. in Morgan City. Uh, because once, and you'll know, learn this, people that are in discipleship will, will, will know this too and share this. Uh, once somebody catches the discipleship bug, so to speak, mm -hmm. and they get excited about what God's doing in their life, realizing God can use them and they can, through the power of the word and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, they can make disciples. They don't need a preacher or a parrot or a priest or whoever, yeah. you know, someone to help them. They can do it themselves. They will continue to do that, continue to do that the rest of their ministry. Okay. They don't need me to do that, and that's what's happening at Emmanuel. People are still engaged in disciple-making. Mm -hmm. Candy has women she's invested in who have generationally invested awesome. in women. Who invested so in women. let's say we have a pastor or a church leader who is in this type of context. I guess we would call this maybe a traditional or smaller church. Really, it's the average church size, you know, yeah. 150 or less. When you left Emmanuel, how, what was the church size? Uh, it was about 225 to 250 so on average. So the 200s. So 300 it, it, on it Easter. grew in the time that you were there. But so any church in that, in that kind of uh, size range, though, you're a pastor at that church and you're thinking um, of starting some type of implementation of discipleship, the lesson you learned here was you need to have a clear process. Yes. And so from that, you know, step one, define that process for your church. You know, we've talked about the discipleship pathway before and the simplicity of the approach and being a simple church model it doesn't have to be complicated. Matter of fact, it's better if it's not. Uh, you just talked about the buffet. Um, but ultimately, having a process and defining that process, step one. Yeah. And I, I, and I would say that's the motivation for us launching our discipleship blueprint training. Mm. And that's why I spend so much time on the front yeah. end talking about creating a culture. 
you, mm-hmm. you you can use the the uh, the the terms loosely and yeah. throw terms out and even put new labels on existing things. Right. But if you want to create a movement, you have to have a process, and that's why we spend so much time on our process and perfecting the process and and uh, sharpening the process. Sure. So mistake number one: didn't have a process. Don't do that. Right. Don't do that. <laughs> Define a process. Find a process. Obviously, replicate resources, replicate.org, all our website, our training that you mentioned, uh, the subject blueprint uh, training is available as well. So uh, reading growing up even kind of maps out some of those things, a book that you've done and uh, rediscovering discipleship. So there's all kinds of resources that we provide. You can find resources elsewhere, but don't start discipleship without some type of defined process. And you may not agree with our process. You may say, I don't like your process, but you have to have a process. You've got to have a process. Implement something. So what is- Our process-driven discipleship is better than your non-process-driven non-discipleship. No offense. I mean, but you got to have a process. Have some process. So mistake number two. Mistake number one out of the way. Okay. Mistake number two is at Brainerd Baptist. I'll give you three mistakes at three different church contexts. And the last mistake is one that just happened recently. And I'll share with that long hollow. But let me tell you what's happened. What happened at Brainerd is I went in uh, with three years, basically, of church ministry under my belt. You know, so I've got a lot of experience now going into a new church on how discipleship works and doesn't work. Three years, three long years. So basically longer than the tenure of the average student pastor. So you're pretty good. Yeah, right. Wow. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying it because I, I was there. I was there. Not hating, just stating the facts. Exactly. Right? Uh, so anyway, I go into the joke is I got three years of experience. I don't have much, but in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, I'm figuring this out. You've done this. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna implement it on the front end. So what we did is we we started implementing this discipleship process again. I started discipling a, f- a group of people. I had another guy on staff by the name of Gus Hernandez who was uh, the college pastor. Actually, he was the rec pastor first. Mm-hmm. He was the That's recreation right. pastor because he had a, a baseball scholarship, so we put him in charge of rec, and he was discipling 12 people the first year. Okay. Next year, we grew to 32 people in one year. Wow. Yeah, exactly. That's a big jump. Well, it is a big jump, but people there. Ah, when you're starting small, yeah. I mean, You start small, though. That's the point. And so the 32 consisted of some people in my previous group who had multiplied, a new group that I was leading, and my staff. After the year two, we moved to 65 people. And again, at this point, I'm still not tracking names Mm -hmm. and numbers. It's just organic. And I'm priding myself in the fact that it's organic. Like, man, we don't even know it's happening. It's such a trendy word. Yeah. Everyone wants organic. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> the or organic food, food. The process. I mean, you know. Everybody wants organic growth. Yeah. Okay. So so what happened was then 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 the next year we grew to about one twenty five. So we're in year four now. Wow. So we grew from about sixty five to one twenty five, one twenty six, something. Okay. And then the next year we grew to about two fifty five. This okay. is the beginning of two thousand and thirteen. Uh, I'm there for five years at this point. Okay. And here's what happened. Uh, That time we hired a man named Tim LaFleur. Up to this point, Chris, I have no names, no numbers, no email addresses. I just roughly know that uh, the year before I roughly knew we had about 125. The number 255 is an accurate, you know, names and numbers. And I want to share with you what we did once we figured out who was in discipleship and who was making discipleship. But don't share it yet because we need to take a quick break. 
You know, training your volunteers and leaders is important, but did you ever feel like you don't know where to start? That's why Lifeway Leadership developed Ministry Grid. With Ministry Grid's library of over 3,000 training videos, the work has been done for you, and you'll be able to train everyone in your church. And this is training you can trust. Each Ministry Grid video features an experienced ministry leader who has been where you are right now. You can also customize any training by adding videos, PDFs, YouTube videos, and more. And now Ministry Grid has one plan with one price that gives you unlimited access to train your entire church. Just go to ministrygrid.com to learn more. Once again, that's ministrygrid.com. And we're back. You were going to tell us one thing before the break. Okay. And that thing related to... The second mistake you made, you really, you haven't told us a mistake yet. You told us the progression of numbers. We're seeing discipleship take hold. Okay. We've gone from 13. Is that what the first number was? Uh, About 12 or 13. 12 or 13. And now we're in the 100, 200 range. 125. Then we hit 255. 255. You brought in Tim LaFleur. What was the issue? Okay. So you're going organic. Well, we're going organic and I knew Tim was coming in. I, I, I was trying to hire Tim for about two years and he was praying and working things out. Uh, So I knew Tim was coming in. So when Tim came in, he helped us formalize the tracking process. And here's mistake number two that Mm -hmm. many people make and you're listening and you're saying, man, we've made the same mistake. Uh, You don't have good metrics for tracking your people in discipleship. It's easier to track numbers in in worship because you can count them. Uh, It's easier to track numbers in life group or Sunday school because you can, you got to roll. It's difficult in a D group because it's hard to know who's meeting and when they're meeting and where they're meeting. Hmm. So Tim really came in and we formalized this tracking process whereby we did once a year what we called a, a census, a D group census, just to kind of get an idea of what what's going on, who's discipling. And then we we followed up with those people. We got names, we got, we've got numbers now, uh, we've got information. And then that number grew to 255, 2013. Mm-hmm. To, at the end of that year, the book Growing Up came out. Okay. And so we challenged every person. Now keep in mind, we've got four years under our belt. Mm-hmm. And so actually five years under our belt, because uh, I got there in eight, no, four years under our belt. So uh, we're about to launch this Growing Up Challenge in 2014. Okay. And uh, we challenge everybody to get a group of three to five and meet for 12 to 13 weeks. Yeah. Okay. Just read one chapter a day, the forward, afterward introduction, or introduction, afterward in the chapters, and meet for 12 or 13 weeks with your group. Right. The number grew from 255 to 787 wow. people. So that was your... your you really saw exponential growth that year. And we're telling people all the time, it's a slow process, but when things like that begin to happen, you get, I mean, it's exciting at the beginning, but it gets really exciting when you begin to see the fruit of that multiplication. Yeah, and that be, and then it becomes a revival in your church. It becomes exciting. It becomes the end thing. People want to be a part of that. And then it becomes, what group are you in? I'm, right. not, I'm not in a group, and you need to get in a group. It's changing my life. And then what happens is the the walking billboards for discipleship are the people who are the recipients of discipleship. Mm. So they're walking around, and their changed lives yeah. is the is the draw, if you will, sure. to be in discipleship. Sounds very similar to what we talked about months ago with the patient ferment of the church. Oh, that's, good. that's good. Remember Just a that good reminder. I do remember. And that. and book. and and how the the ministry advanced from Israel all the way west, not through crusades or revivals or big events. It advanced 
by the daily discipleship of people who then lived on mission for Christ and whose lives were the draw. Not the words they spoke, so to speak, but the lives they lived. Okay. Before we move on to the final mistake made, let's recap. The first mistake was you didn't have a process, so you implemented that process, a discipleship pathway. The second mistake was you weren't tracking that process or weren't tracking it well, going going for that organic style and realizing there's got to be some tracking. To be clear, you didn't do roles, you didn't do attendance, but you did want to know who is discipling who how that was multiplying so you could reach out to train them and at least see where the process is going. So some level of accountability. Well, there. Here's, yeah, let me say one more thing before we move on. The reason we got names and numbers was not so we can record and report numbers to our convention, right. uh, because honestly, they're not even tracking D groups. But anyway, it's another, yeah, another, another topic, another for, topic another for another day. <laughs> but if we were tracking, we weren't marking for that. Okay. Sure. We actually were trying to get names and numbers so we can reduce the attrition rate Mm. on the back end because what happened is we did we ran some numbers 55% of the groups would reproduce 55 to 60% of the people in the groups would reproduce yeah so six out of 10 would four out of 10 wouldn't so we found that if we could go back and help those four out of 10 the 40% who wouldn't reproduce with training or encouragement or emails or edifications or personal meetings yeah half of those watch this would reproduce with a little nudging Gotcha. With a little encouragement. And so that's why we track the numbers. So mistake one, no process. Mistake two, no tracking or no effective tracking. Then you implemented that. So then uh, a couple years later, you arrived at Long Hollow and yes. you made yet another mistake. That you, others you see a pattern. From. You see a pattern here. <laughs> another mistake. Now, this mistake, uh, honestly, was naivety. I mean, I was just naive to the fact that I thought, OK, I'm bringing in right. disciple first guys like all these guys I'm bringing on the team are disciple first. Okay. Meaning they, they want to invest in people. You don't have to convince them. Yeah. And see those people replicate their lives and reach people with the gospel. So you built that team and I'll just say you also wrote a book on how to do this. Yeah. (laughs) And you experienced it. Rediscovering discipleship came out the actual first month I was at Long Hollow. Oh, there you go. It's interesting. So that came out right when I was here. So I thought, man, we're, we're going to, we got this model, we got a process, we got a tracking system, it's going to work here. And so what happened is first year, uh, the discipleship numbers went from a, a few people making disciples. We had some different groups, yeah. but, but the way we were making disciples, very few, uh, as far as, you know, three to five, 12 to 18 months, attentionality, accountability, scripture, memory, reproduction, right. very few. So in one year we grew to about 550 people here. That was year one. Year one. No real emphasis. They were hearing you talk about it. Yeah. We wanted to do some kind of training because we wanted to make sure people who are interested just, just just didn't jump in and do something random. We wanted to have a process that you, since you knew, hey, we need a process. So we had right. a process. But as things progressed, what happened? Well, year two, <laughs> the number grew to about 1,400 and what, 53 people, I think it was. It was incredible. Right? What was it? Something. It was, something like it, was a, it was something around there. Year two, we're at 1,400. So I'm thinking what took, listen, what took seven years at Brainerd for us to hit, you know, seven years right. at Brainerd, we hit like, like you know, 1,280 or, or 1,300, I yeah. think, the next year. And we were expecting to go over 15. Yeah. But 
I thought, man, we did it in two here. And so I'm thinking of the numbers, exponential growth. Next right. year, 3,000. Next year, 4,500. Right, Next right. year, 7,000. I'm thinking, <laughs> what is, uh, it's going to be a movement of discipleship here, right? Well, what happened was I did the very thing we teach in our blueprint not to do. <laughs> You didn't listen to yourself. I didn't listen to myself. That's the problem. <laughs> it's you know, pastors. We have a we have a tendency not to do what we preach. You know, I always joke right. with my wife. She says, "I heard a pastor say." I said, "Baby, you don't actually think I'm actually going to do what I'm preaching." No, I'm playing. Actually, that's a joke. That is a joke. We are attempting. We're attempting. No, but here's the reality. We came in and six, you know, fourteen hundred fifty three people, and I thought, man, it's going to grow. And here's what happened, Chris. The next year, we're going into year three. The number reduces to nine hundred and eighty. Mm. We actually lost uh, five, 600 people. Now, here's yeah. the thing we learned. What we realized was people got excited to be a part of discipleship because they thought it was the next greatest new program. Right. Like anything else in your church. Yeah. 40 days of this, 12 weeks of that, uh, six months of this, the Daniel fast, the this fast, whatever. It's the new hip thing in the church. Right. And what happened was they thought, let me just get in. And we found that these groups were not discipleship groups. They were hangout yeah. groups. Man, we're eating pizza and watching football. I'm discipling a couple guys who were in one of those groups, and oh, they man. have told me about what those groups. The were. refugees thought, no from the groups work. that fell apart. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no but here's the thing: we we feel like now this is a good number. This sure. is 950 something people. Um, 953, I think it is, uh, or 950 mm-hmm. something. Moving so. into year four. Yeah, year four, and so that that's a good base of people now that we're going to ride this 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 kind of train with this year, and who are going to reproduce next year. And so here's the caution and here's the lesson from that. Remember, discipleship is a crockpot recipe, not a microwavable recipe. You can throw in a pizza and three minutes later get some kind of food that's edible. May not be good or quality. No offense. Okay. That's not too bad, actually. Eh. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But if you put a crockpot roast in the crockpot and carrots and broccoli and potatoes and it and it kind of cooks all morning mm-hmm. all afternoon when you walk in you smell the you smell the roast it permeates the house and it's worth the wait discipleship's that way so pastor leader listen don't be so quick to rush the process, okay? I know you want to rush the process. I know people are going to be excited. I know you're going to have more people wanting to be in groups than you have leaders. That's okay. Be patient. Remember how long it took Jesus to get you to where you are today. Jesus is never in a rush. God's never in a rush to do anything except one thing. You know this? Like the only time we find in the Bible, God in a rush. He's not in a rush to bring them through the pro- to the promised land. He's not in a rush to give the descendant to uh, to Abraham, Isaac, 25 years. Just mm-hmm. chill out. He's not in a rush to get Joseph out of the pit and the prison to the palace, you know, 13 years. I mean, it, God's never in a rush. But here's the thing we know about God. There's only one time he is in a rush, and that is when a repentant sinner returns back to him with the, with mm-hmm. the prodigal son. Remember, That's the good. father who's God runs to God. So here's the thing. Don't be in a rush. God's not in a rush. He's not on our time but he's never late. He's always on time. And so just be patient with the process. Well, as we wrap up today, let me remind you that we're part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network, and we want to give a shout out to our friends at Group Answers. Have you listened to the Group Answers podcast with Chris Surratt and Brian Daniel recently? I was on it recently. It's it's awesome. You need to give it a, you need to check it out. It's a great podcast if you are a leader of group or if you are a group leader. 
Maybe you are a pastor in charge of groups of ministry. It's a great resource. They have a lot of different topics that they cover. You know, how to launch your group well, writing sermon-based studies, some of the stuff we do here at Long Hollow. So check out Group Answers wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.